Hey, it's good to have you with us this morning. Welcome to Three Trails. Hope that, uh, hope that you were able to engage with us in worship this morning. It's always a weird shift when you're standing up here and you make a move from one thing to the other. I don't know why, but it just is. So bear with me while we transition here over to message. I, um, I got a phone call from a friend yesterday. I don't know. Um, I don't know what's happening in your world, but my world often exists of phone calls that I'd rather not take. And, um, you know, there's a long-standing joke that pastors just work on Sundays. Man, I wish that were true. Um, a friend of mine that actually is our, uh, our professional sound um, consultant here at Three Trails called me yesterday. Well, actually, we were texting back and forth because I was, if you saw a Facebook post, I was sitting at uh, Sky Zone yesterday. Everybody been to Sky Zone? I'm sure you've all experienced the joy of being at Sky Zone. I had to put my headphones in because there was some, I don't know, four-year-old girl that is going to grow up and be an opera singer, I'm fairly certain. Um, and so it was either that or I wasn't going to be able to hear anymore. And so I put my headphones in and was listening to some old music that I love. And uh, he, uh, Jason actually tours with the guy that, um, that I was listening to, Michael Card, and uh, I used to tour with him as well. And so he's also a friend, but... Um, I was listening to this music, and I was texting him. I said, hey, man, there's joy in the journey, right? You ever just wonder, is there joy in the journey? I was, I was, I was trying to find it yesterday as I was sitting at Sky Zone because there's no joy in that journey at all. And so I was sitting there struggling with my faith in Jesus because of Sky Zone, and I said, hey, man, there's joy in the journey. And uh, he texted back and said, hey, uh, just so you know, my, my brother-in-law um, committed suicide Thursday. <laughs> I'm just going because Sky Zone's not bad enough. Um, and so I called him and I said, dude, you can't text me something like that. What are you, and this is Jason for you. He's just kind of one of those matter of fact guys, but these are the calls that sometimes um, we get that we just would rather not get, right? Um, and so I'd ask you to be praying for Jason. He's done a lot of work for us, um, thousands of dollars of work for us and has never charged us a dime um, to do it. And uh, we're really thankful for him. I, he's been a friend. We used to spend the night at each other's house when we were kids and teenagers, so um, his brother-in-law, Doug, if you'll lift up his family. Um, everybody was on vacations, and um, it sounded like his, his dad was getting ready to leave on a cruise, and his sister, his other sister was in the Cancun, and so I just ask you to be praying for them this morning. And in the midst of that, realize that there is power in prayer. Um, I don't know what your prayer life is like, um, but I want to ask you this this morning. What is, what is prayer for you? What does prayer mean to you? How do you engage in prayer in your life? Um, how do you view it? Um, there, we, we all have kind of different views. We've all kind of grown up in different backgrounds, right? I know some of you come from a, a Catholic background. I know some of you come from a Greek Orthodox background. I know some of you uh, have probably come from a Methodist background. Some of you come from Baptist churches where the Holy Spirit didn't exist. Um, and, uh, and so I, I just wonder what prayer looks like for you because we, we really run the gamut of, of, of prayer being something that we recite Right, we we just we sort of read this prayer and then we 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 just kind of go on with the with our life because that's how we do it. Um, and for some of us, um, it's a very engaging thing, very personal thing. It's something that we really find power in. Um, but I guess really is the question is this: What if your prayer life could really change everything for you? What if our lives could be completely different because of our <clears throat> excuse excuse me of our prayer lives? Um, and next to being involved in growth opportunities and, and other things that we can be a part of, 
um, as part of a church. Prayer is one of those things that's not only personal but corporate, but I believe can change our view of everything that's happening, and not only in our lives and in, and in, in our circle, but also um, in our world globally as we look at what's going on. I know that um, I've had more than one conversation, more than five conversations in the last two weeks, and maybe some of you have too about what's going on in our world and what's happening in Israel and, and how does that play into end times prophecy and, and what does that all look like. And um, Pastor Brian's going to unlock and, and talk about that in a couple of weeks. And I just felt like leading up to that while he's out hunting in Wyoming, um, that we would talk about prayer. And I think this is really key to, to understanding and, and, and holding on to what he's going to talk about as we head towards Christmas and the holiday. Can you believe it's almost Christmas? All right. I went to Walmart and right next to the Halloween decorations are the Christmas decorations. And that, that's just all kinds of messed up to me. I don't know. That's just weird. But anyway, we're heading that way, so we're trucking along. Uh, for most of us, I think we'd, we'd probably sit here and say this morning, we, we love and honor God, right? We feel like um, um, that maybe we're not good at prayer. I think most people would say, uh, yeah, I, I pray, but I don't know that it's really uh, effective. I don't know that it's really something that I have embraced in my life. Like, I pray, but I don't know really, is there power there? Is it hitting a ceiling? What how does that pray? And, and you've probably met some people that are amazing prayers. Have you met people that are amazing? I mean, these people, when they pray, like the house shakes. Have you been around people like that? I mean, you can feel their faith. You can feel um, the Holy Spirit talking through them. Um, I, I, the guy, there was a guy at our first church that used to pray scripture. And I was like, man, I've got like three scriptures memorized. And like in the first minute and a half of his prayer is like three scriptures. And he even knows the addresses. So I can quote you all kinds of scripture, but I mean, I'm terrible with addresses. I don't know if anybody else is like that, but uh, you know, like here's the scripture. Where is it? I don't know. I just know it's in the Bible somewhere, right? Um, but this guy was one of those guys that when he prayed, there was just power there. Um, and he would pray scripture back to God that, and his promises. And it was, it was really powerful. And then, you know, you've probably had experience with people who, you remember, do you remember maybe some of you grew up in a youth group and you'd all stand around and hold hands together and, and it was prayer time and you wet your pants, right? Because you're like, I ain't no way I'm praying in front of people. And so the trick was, here, Joe, stand up for a second. The trick was you'd, uh, you'd, you'd, you'd hold hands, and you'd go around this. First of all, I'm holding hands with a guy, which is just weird, right? And you'd go around, the, thank you, and you'd go around this circle, right? And, it, and Joe'd be over here, and he'd pray this prayer of faith, and the trick was, if you didn't want to pray, you squeeze the hand next to you. Pretty soon, there's nobody praying, because <laughs> the first guy, right, the first guy that took the excuse not to pray was the open door for nobody else to pray, right? And so, and I know for a lot of us, even, especially praying publicly is like a thing. Like, I don't want to pray in front. Thanks, Joe. I know you hate that. That's why I chose you. Jesus chose you, too. Anyway, so, um, but yeah, you know, it's just a really uncomfortable thing, and so, um, but it doesn't have to be that way. It doesn't have to be intimidating. It doesn't have to be a mystery, um, and I want to really talk about that this morning because I know for me sometimes, and maybe this is true for you, I get stuck in a rut, right? I, I kind of just pray the same thing over and over again, and oftentimes it becomes about me. And I don't know if that's true for you, but sometimes it just becomes, Lord, give me this, bless me that, you know, fill my stocking, whatever. Um, it just be, kind of becomes about me or what I need or how I'm praying for other people. And there's, there's so much more to it than that. And so, you know, uh, and I and it sometimes feel like a failure, um, sometimes it gets repetitive, and I don't know if your kids are this way, but Maverick prays the same prayer every night, and I think I did too. 
Thank you, Jesus, for this day. Thank you for my mom and dad and my sissies and my, mom, and my school and my old school and my new school. And I don't remember the rest of it, but he's been praying the same thing for like eight years. Um, and, and, I, and I started thinking, you know, I, we really need to work on this. Like, we need to talk about what it is to really engage with our Heavenly Father in prayer because that's really what we're doing uh, when we kneel down to say a prayer in our quiet place. And so how do we unlock prayer? How do we, how do we pray with our family? How do we teach our kids to pray? Um, how does God see our prayers? Um, and I want to give you just a little backstory. So we're going to be in Acts chapter 3 and 4 this morning. You can, uh, you can go there. Um, if you have your Bibles, it'll be on the screen as well, obviously. Um, but I want to give you just a little bit of backstory, and you can kind of put, we're going to kind of put this Acts 3 thing in our back pocket and come to back to it in a few minutes. Um, but Peter and John are ministering together, um, and, and they're, they're preaching, and a lame man is brought before them. He was a beggar. He was a guy that um, was lame from birth, had never walked, and, uh, and this beggar was asking them for money. He said, hey, you know, hey I, can you give me some money? And, uh, and Peter's reply is interesting and surprising um, because Peter doesn't respond how probably many of us would do. I don't know, I, you drive down the road and you don't have to go very far uh, to see someone standing in an intersection, right, asking for money. Um, it's, a, it's, a, it's a plague on our house um, that there are so many people who don't have homes, who don't have jobs, who don't have money, that are homeless, who don't have a place to live, and that should really break our hearts, but I think for a lot of times it doesn't. Um, a lot of times we're just like, would you just, you know, stay over there, right? Um, because we, we, we get numb to it. Um, and you've only got so many dollar bills to, to hand out, right? Um, and, I, and I do it all the time. I, stand, I just drive right by, right? That's our typical response. I don't have time, I don't have money, or, or even the interest. And so this man is begging Peter and John, and they're preaching um, about Jesus, you know, crucified and resurrected and, and all this. And this beggar gets brought before and they say, hey, you know, can I have some money? And, and this is Peter's response in Acts 3, 6. Then P- Peter said to him, silver or gold, I do not have. But what I do have, I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, everybody say it with me, walk. Wow. Well, that's better than money. I don't know if he thought it was better than money at the time. But this man was healed on the spot. And he didn't have to go to physical therapy to learn how to heal. What you need to recognize about Jesus is when he healed someone, he healed them completely. There was no physical therapy. There was, okay, now I need you to make a, you know, an appointment down at Cirque so they can teach you how to walk because you're healed now. No, it was a complete healing. He had balance. He knew how to walk. It was, you think about what we learn at birth, right? And it was all given to him in that moment. Um, so much better than money. And so two things I want us to, to sort of hold on to here. First, is that Peter offers something bigger than money. He offers um, a healing, uh, and, then, and then this lame dude um, really gets something bigger than money. And then secondly, and just like us, everyone is shocked that this just happened in front of them. They're shocked and excited that this man just got healed. Peter says something profound, and this is really the backbone of what happens today, of what we're going to talk about, and that's the fact that they were shocked. So put that in your back pocket and, and we're going to go jump down to verse 12 in chapter, th- in chapter 3. It says this, When Peter saw this, that they were shocked, he said to them, Fellow Israelites, why does this surprise you? Why are you shocked by this healing? Why do you stare at us as if by our own power or godliness we made this man walk? Now recognize that these healings had been going on since Jesus, that it wasn't uncommon for the disciples to be preaching and sharing the good news and to see healings take place, and to see miracles take place in people's lives. It wasn't like something new that they hadn't seen before, but they were shocked by it. 
and likely because they hadn't seen that particular miracle, but it was happening in their midst. And Peter says, why are you shocked by this? Let's pray. God, as we unpack this, um, I pray that you will help us to understand really what it is to pray, what it is to, to pray different kinds of prayers, and specifically the one we're going to look at this morning. And the Lord, you would change our perspective just a little bit about our prayer lives and about coming to you um, in that way in our lives um, to seek you and to find you. And it's in Jesus' name we pray in, in your name. Amen. All right, so Peter and John are teaching about Jesus, his death and resurrection. They're praying for miracles. This beggar is healed as a result of the Holy Spirit coming on them. And what always happens when God begins to move among his people? What always happens? Anybody? This is not rhetorical. What happens? When we start seeing a move of God, when people start growing and getting saved and things start happening, what always happens in the middle of that is that Satan attacks. Every time, without fail, the enemy wants to destroy that move of God. And, as, as, and even, even here, as we've seen you know, people being baptized and our, and, and our growth and, and people being in life groups, we know, without a doubt, that Satan is on the move, and he's going to be attacking. And he did this through the Sadducees and the captain of the guard at this time, who thought they were starting some kind of a cult, that there was something funky going on. And so they called, uh, they called Peter and John in and said, hey, here, uh, or, yeah, and, and, and they imprisoned him. They said, listen, I don't know what's going on here, but this, this is not working for us, so you're going to jail. Don't pass go, don't collect $200, just straight, straight to jail. And so Peter and John are locked up in jail. And, uh, and, they're, and they're brought back out the next morning, and they're asked the question, by what authority are you praying, or are you preaching this? And so this, as they form this circle around, you've got to envision that Peter and John are standing there, this circle of, of religious leaders of the times encircles them. And so it's intimidating, right, to be encircled by people. So imagine that same prayer circle Joe and I were just in, and you're in the middle of it, right? Um, that's intimidating. And they're asking them, by whose authority are you preaching this? By what power or name did you do this? And so jump over to Acts 4.10. I'll give you a second to get there, but we're going to hang out in Acts 4 for the rest of the rest of the morning. In Acts 4.10, and I'm going to read from the New Living here, he says, let me clearly state to all of you and to all the people of Israel that he was healed by the powerful name of Jesus Christ, the Nazarene, the man you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead. This is Peter answering the Pharisees. That was bold, right? Somebody say that was bold. That was bold, man. I mean, they just, they just looked at these religious leaders and said, look, this is your fault. You killed the guy. He rose from the dead. He's the Messiah, and this is why we're preaching this. This is why we're sharing this, and this is why this guy got healed. He declares war basically on them. He says, you killed him. And we go on down to, to verse 13. He says, the members of the council were amazed when they saw the boldness of Peter and John. They were amazed when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, for they could see where they, that these were just ordinary men with no special training in the scriptures. I always, 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 always like to remember that the disciples were just guys. They didn't go to Midwestern Seminary up here in North Kansas City. They weren't educated, but what they did do was they walked with the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And they watched as Jesus ministered, and they had conversations, and they learned in that way. The interesting thing here is that when he talks about having no special training, the word for that in the Greek is idiotes. Anybody know what that word means? Idiot. 
Scripture says that these idiots were sharing the gospel. I love that because I'm an idiot. It works perfectly. It works perfectly for me, right? How many of us have felt like idiots when it comes to this? I mean, these guys were not educated. There was nothing like that there. They were just regular, ordinary guys. And these, these council members were just amazed that they were able to perform these miracles. The problem is the movement needed to be shut down. And so these Sadducees and religious leaders basically went back and said, what are we going to do about this? How are we going to approach this? How are we going to stop this from happening? What are, how do we go about this? And so they come back to Peter and John and they said, listen, stop preaching about Jesus and doing miracles or we will arrest you, we will beat you, and in my best Liam Neeson impersonation, I will kill you. We will beat you and we will kill you, right? I mean, that's what was coming. And so they knew that was the truth and they knew that was the case. Like they got threatened with their lives. And so what did Peter and John do? I love this. They went and joined the other believers and they began to pray. And they didn't figure out how to go get out of town, right? They didn't, they didn't go and, and try to jump on a boat and get somewhere else. They didn't run from the confrontation. They didn't devise a strategy to have a secret life group that nobody knew about. No, they went and they gathered and they prayed. I mean, my prayer, I don't know about you, would be, God, keep me safe, put a hedge of protection around me, maybe not a hedge, maybe a concrete wall, I don't know, a house, something, right? I don't want a hedge, I want more than that, but protect me, keep my family safe, um, you know, protect my retirement package, please. Don't let you know anything happen to my 401k when the economy crashes. Let me just let me live my peace, life in peace and protection, and I'll just quietly run into the dark. No, that's not what these guys did. They prayed a powerful prayer, and this is what this whole ball of wax that we're going to talk about this morning is. And that's that our powerful prayer um, is to be bold, to be bold in our lives. That, that God would make us bold as believers. That He would make us bold as people of God in, in a world that, that just seeps with, with, with apathy and with, um, with, I don't care. This was their prayer. Acts 4.29 says this, and now, O Lord, hear their threats. Look, they know we, we know they plan to beat us. We know they're going to kill us. And here it is, and give us your servants great, say it, boldness in preaching your word. Say boldness with boldness. Say boldness, right? Boldness is not something that, have you ever had a bold cup of coffee and you about spit it out of your mouth? Like, oh my gosh, that's a bold cup of Starbucks, dark roast is the nastiest, boldest cup of coffee I've ever had in my life. I drink that. I can't put enough milk in it to make it not like, right? I mean, it's just, it's awful. Um, I'm sorry if you like it. Chris, do you like that? Is that uh, you? Thank you. All right. Chris is a coffee connoisseur. We're on the same page. So it's just, you know when something's bold, right? And, or you can, you know, you can go get a nice blonde morning breakfast mix. You know, just has a little bit of, just a little bit of almond milk in there. And it's just delicious and delightful as you sit by the fire and watch the sunrise, right? That's, that's not bold. Bold is something that's in your face, right? And that's what these guys pray for. They pray, God, make us bold. And this is the big idea. This is the Brianism. If you don't remember anything else this morning, remember this, that we want to pray prayers to God that say, make us bold in preaching your word. Give us conviction. Give us power. Make us effective. Make us courageous. Give us faith to obey you, even when our, it, there could be great personal costs, where, where I might be beaten and killed, where my children might be taken away, where I might sit in prison and rot. Make me bold in my faith with you. 
Just like we wrapped up with the Detour series talking about Joseph, Joseph was bold. Joseph never backed down. He was obedient even when he was in prison, and God rewarded him for it. And so we want to be bold just like that. When God sends us through those detours, right, that we're bold in our approach, that that we're always standing firm in our faith, and that we pray, God, make me bold. And so in verse 30, this is their prayer, and this is the power. Stretch out your hand with healing power. May miraculous signs and wonders be done through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. So in Jesus' name, make us bold and, and use your power to bring about miracles in people's lives. Let me ask you this question. How amazed are people with your boldness? How amazed are people with your boldness and your faith? On one to ten. Some ones, eh, not at all. And a ten is like, man, that guy's so bold. Where would you rate yourself on that scale? If I think, if, you know, for a modest person, we maybe say, I'm oh, maybe a seven, I'm maybe an eight. Um, you know, everybody, everybody knows where you stand. They know that, that, that you've been transformed. They see spiritual fruit in your life, whether or not they're a believer and they even know what spiritual fruit is, but they know that you have love and they know that you have joy and they, you have patience and that, that you've got self-control and that there's something different about you because of how you live your life. And you're, and you're not ashamed to share Jesus, and you're, you're not ashamed to take a stand when it's time to take a stand. Uh, you represent well the goodness of God and his presence in your life. Sometimes you speak up, sometimes you don't even have to, right? Sometimes people are just around you, and they just apologize because they know they said something maybe that they shouldn't have uh, that's not appropriate, uh, and, and, they're, and they just know that you're a follower of Jesus, right? Or, or for some of us, uh, maybe, maybe you, you're, if you're honest, um, you'd say, ah, maybe a two, maybe three, maybe I tilt a four every now and then, but, but you know, I don't really talk about it much. I'm a Christian, but I'm kind of one of those closet Christians. Like, you know, I've been at work three or four years, and somebody came up to me and said, oh, you're a Christian too? I had no idea, right? You're that kind of a Christian. You're just, you're just, you're not really big and loud about it. Um, nobody would call you a Jesus freak. In fact, people might not even know you're a Christian. You may, you may participate in the, in the crass joking around the cooler and, and, and your first thoughts might be things that are, that are, you know, of a perverted nature, which is so easy to do in our, in our society right now. Uh, but you just kind of are a chameleon when it comes to being a Christian. There's not, there's not real fruit. There's not real evidence. But, but you come to church, and you're here, and you're listening, and, and you know, you're just kind of, okay, this, this is a thing, right? And then maybe we just fall somewhere between that. But I want you to really think about, where am I? Like, if I thought about what people thought about me at work, what would they say? I often think it would be interesting for my kids to write a eulogy about me right now. And then I think, nope, not going to do that. Don't need to read that. But have you ever thought about what would, for, for those of you the kids, and maybe you can think about, if, you don't have, if you're younger, maybe, maybe you think about your friend group, or maybe you think about your parents. If, if, you, if, you, if you died right now, what would your eulogy say? Would they say you were a person of faith? Would they say you were a bold person? Would they say, yeah, could have been a better dad? You know, like, what would people say about you if a eulogy was written right now? I think it's, it's really an interesting thing to think about in perspective. So, so at work, how amazed are people at my boldness? Am I bold at all on that 1 to 10 scale? I think my boldest experiences in life when it has come to prayer have been, and maybe this is true for you, um, on some mission trips that I've been on when I was younger and, and through some, some, some crisis in my own life. It seems like those are the times, right, when, when prayer really becomes like necessary. Um, I even find myself sitting as a pastor at times 
um, and things are just kind of running along smoothly, and, I, and, I, and I'll go two or three days without even reading my Bible reading plan. I mean, I'm just going to be honest. There are times that I look at my Bible reading plan and I'm like, oh my gosh, it's been like two, three days. I got to catch up. And so, you know, I sit down and I, and I dig back in and try to catch back up, and, and that's normal, all right? That's not unusual. I hope, that, I hope that if that's you, you don't beat yourself up over that, 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 that there are times when things are just going swimmingly, or even they're not, and the last place that we look or we give thanks or ask for help is, is prayer, um, but it should be our first. Um, I, I remember there was a mission trip uh, that I took as a teenager to Biloxi, Mississippi. I don't know if you've ever been to Biloxi, Mississippi, but it's hot and wet. It's just not a pleasant place to be. Um, and we got down there, and I don't know who bought our food, but everybody got sick. I mean, I'm talking like 75% of our people were in their dorms puking. I mean, just blowing chunks in, in, in Mississippi. It was great. Um, and this went on for like two or three days. Like we're supposed to be doing backyard Bible clubs and, and all this stuff. And everybody's just throwing up and this person stops throwing up and then this person starts throwing up. And it's just, it's like, you could just walk down the aisle. Okay, you're next. And you just didn't know. And so, um, some guys that were, that were in my room that, that I'm, I'm still friends with some of them, but, um, we decided we were going to sit down and pray. And, um, and our, and our leader that was in our room with him was this just great man of faith. He was one of those great men of prayer. And, and so we started praying. And I don't know if you've ever participated in group prayer where everybody prays at the same time. Has anybody ever done that? Okay, if you haven't, it's, it's completely different. It's very interesting. And it's really powerful. Um, and I remember almost sort of losing track of even kind of sort of where we were and, and what was going on. I just knew that the Spirit of God was there and that we were, we were interceding and we were lifting up our sisters and our brothers and our friends and and our leaders who were sick. And, and a few of the girls had walked by our dorm room out front. You know, it was a college campus, and um, you know, dorms weren't, walls weren't real thick. And went back to their leaders, and they were freaking out. And they told our leaders, they said, they're in there like praying in tongues, man. Okay, I mean, this is a Baptist church. There's no praying in tongues. We're not doing that here, all right? And so those leaders come back to our room like, what's going on in here? What's happening? We're like, we're just praying. Now listen, I have no idea if that was what was going on or not. I just know that the Spirit of God was on us, and it was present, and it was palpable. And in that moment, the enemy attacked, just like he always does. And he created a spirit of confusion, and, and, it, and it rippled. And it took some getting a hold of things to, to make those things right. And Satan always attacks when a move of God begins to happen. Always, always, always. But I remember that time of prayer. I remember traveling um, with a music group that we would go into high schools and do assemblies, and we'd play rock and roll music, and, um, and then we'd invite them back. It was, a, it was an anti-drug and alcohol was the guys that we went into the schools under, so we were allowed into high schools, and we were based out of Michigan, and, uh, and we, would, we would do that, and then we would invite at the end of the, of the assembly them to come back that night. We'd do a comeback concert. We'd open with you know, some popular songs at the time. I remember we did uh, some Aerosmith and some, some uh, oh gosh, we did Right Now by Van Halen, which is a great time. I mean, we just, we just had some fun, right? Did a little Billy Joel. This is kind of mixed, but then we would sort of transition over into some Christian music. And a lot of times I, gave my, I would give my testimony and share my story, um, and then we'd close with uh, uh, Turn Your Eyes Upon Jesus. I don't know if you remember the old Newsboys version of Turn Your Eyes Upon Jesus. It was the first time I really sang publicly. I don't know if somebody discovered I could sing or not, and maybe I was just buried in effects. But anyway, 
um, we'd close and we'd invite kids to come back and receive Jesus and we would pray with them. And every time we did this, you know, it was powerful. You know, 10, 15 kids would come back. We'd have hundreds of kids show up at night. You know, 10, 15, 20, 30 kids would come back and we'd, we'd pray with them to receive Jesus and we'd get them plugged in with a youth group. And I got to spend about six months doing this, but, but the key to all of it, because we're driving around these like 1970s vans, right? You remember the, the old Econo line vans by Ford that they were the ugliest butt things you've ever saw in your life, right? You don't even remember the old Econo line vans. They were the ones that tipped over on the highway if you put too many people in them, right? You remember the youth groups that you, you could see on the news? Oh, youth group van went off the road and tipped, and their luggage is all laying on top of them. And anyway, those were the vans that we'd run. And you never knew if they were going to run right. And so, you know, we prayed. I mean, we had to pray because you might not make it somewhere if you didn't pray. And, uh, and there was just a, a power in the prayer there and the boldness of what we were doing um, in planning a church in 2006. I remember it was one of the most powerful prayer times in my life um, as we were beginning a new work um, in independence here back in, back in 06. And, and I remember walking through, thing, through my wife's sickness and, and, my, and you all walked through with me a couple of years ago when, when my vision was, was struggling. And so there are times when we really can look back, I think, and see where, where we were bold in our prayers and God moved. And the question I guess I ask myself sometimes, why am I not like that all the time? Like, why do I not want God to move every day in my life like that? Why is it when my feet hit the floor in the morning, am I not saying, God, make me bold today? Make me a representative of you to the people around me who need you and who need to hear from you. Instead, I just kind of go about my business, right? And we just kind of do our thing until calamity hits and we're reminded how mortal we are and how fragile life is and, and, and our relationships struggle. And, and then all of a sudden it's like, man, I got, I got to pray bold prayers. But I want us to move past that this morning because bold prayers often play out in bold actions, but bold actions based in prayer play out in bold results. Let me say that again. Bold prayers often play out in bold actions. When we're bold in our prayer life, we, we have a boldness that God gives us to go out that causes us to act. And in those bold actions that are based in prayers, those play out in bold results. So it begins with a prayer that leads to action, that leads to a result, just like we're looking at with what happened with Peter and John here. And we're, we're still here today. And so I come back to that question, how amazed are people with our boldness? There's no doubt that person's a follower of Jesus, or I had no idea they were a Christian. Where are we on that? And let's look again at this bold prayer. Acts 4, 29 through 31 says this, verse 29, and now, O Lord, hear their threats. I'm reading this again. And give us your servants great boldness in preaching your word. Stretch out your hand with healing power. May miraculous signs and wonders be done through the name of of your holy servant Jesus. And so they're praying boldly for boldness in preaching. They're praying for miracles and signs and wonders in Jesus' name. And watch what happens in verse 31. After this, meet, after this prayer, the meeting place shook. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And then they preached the word of God with what? Boldness. It started with their prayer, Oh God, make us bold. Oh God, use us as your tools to reach these people for you. We want to see thousands of people come to know you, Jesus. And we know the only way that's going to happen is through you and through prayer and through you giving us your power. And when they finished that prayer, the building shook. And they were filled with the Holy Spirit. And so that filling happened on the backside of a prayer. And they preached God's word with boldness. 
After that, they were filled with the Holy Spirit. Let me tell you something. Boldness is not a personality trait. You might say, well, I'm just, I'm just not a bold person. I'm, I'm kind of quiet, and I don't really you know, get outside of myself, and I, I like to just sit at my desk at work, and I, I don't really, you know. Boldness is not a personality trait. It isn't dependent on that. Because this says that they prayed for boldness, and the Holy Spirit came and gave them boldness to preach and teach the Word of God. They prayed, the Holy Spirit came, they preached with boldness. Knowing that and praying, God, make me bold, will open opportunities to be bold. I read a a book several years ago by Craig Rochelle called Dangerous Prayers. In fact, some of what I'm talking about is, is from that book. And he calls this a dangerous prayer, a prayer for boldness, to have opportunities to be bold. How does it play out? Well, maybe you're having a conversation with someone at, at work or at school, um, and you just, you just feel the urge in the middle of that conversation, and you don't know where it's coming from to pray with somebody. Now, how many of you have ever prayed with somebody at work? It's kind of foreign, ain't it? I think most of us would say, yeah, I ain't doing that. You're right. You won't. You're absolutely right, you won't. Because the only way that's going to happen is if you've prayed for boldness and you've been filled with the Spirit and He gives you the boldness to say, hey, listen, Mike, I know you're struggling with this and I just, man, I I know we're right on the water cooler, but I just want to pray with you. That's foreign and intimidating. Am I wrong? It's kind of scary. It doesn't have to be scary because it's in that boldness that God uses us. And you might be the person that keeps Mike from going home and doing what Doug did last Thursday. Amen? You might be that person that changes the course of somebody's life through the power of the Holy Spirit, moving in them and pushing them towards Jesus. Because that's the only solution and that's the only answer. Period. And so because of our boldness, God uses us. He's not asking us to do what Peter and John did. I don't know if there's anything scarier, most of you would say, than public speaking. How many of you like public speaking? Anybody really like it? Chris likes it. There's a couple of you that really enjoy it. Most of you are terrified. If I took this mic off and put it on your face, you'd be like, I'm running out the door. Ain't no way I'm standing up there and doing that. I remember, I remember feeling that, like when I first started preaching, I remember thinking, man, this is scary. You know what makes it not scary? Knowing that it's not me. Knowing that I've bathed this in prayer and that the Holy Spirit has this. And it's going to hit your ears different than it hits your ears, than it hits your ears, than it hits your ears. And that's not my responsibility. My responsibility is to be obedient. My responsibility and your responsibility in our daily lives is to be that person that says, hey, can I just can I just pray for you? And so it happens in, it happens in conversations. It, it happens in a meeting, right, where somebody says something inappropriate. None of us have ever been in those meetings, have we? And you just go, you know what? Can we be better? Can we, like, not do this? I was at a soccer game yesterday, and so <laughs> I've been praying this week for God to make me bold. That gets scary sometimes. I was sitting at Maverick's soccer game. Game had just started. And this guy sitting next to me yells at his kid, and he says, would you get your GD head in the game? First of all, don't talk to your kid that way, please. You're an idiot. Second of all, I just looked at him, and I said, and I don't know where this came from, 
I said, could we not invoke GD? And I thought, I'm going to get punched. And I can't get punched, because if I get punched, I'm going to go blind. Like, this has ramifications. I, I really should have thought through what I said here, right? Because I normally, man, I'd normally just sit there and go, mm-hmm, yep, I wish he wouldn't say that. And say it to the person next to you, right? That your friends would be like, man, I wish he wouldn't say that. But no, it came out of my mouth, and I was like, well, where did that come from? And he leaned over and he said, yep, you're right. Now, I imagine this guy probably talks to his kids that way at home. But sometimes it's just stepping up and saying the right thing. Can we just be better? Can we just do better? And here's what I believe. I believe that when we are praying those prayers and when we're filled with the Holy Spirit, that God uses that. And I probably didn't get punched because of that. Right? Because, I mean, I, sometimes you say that to the wrong person and they're going to take it out on you. So maybe it's in a meeting. Maybe, maybe somebody's getting trash-talked and you just speak up and say, hey, you know, they're, 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 they're like a person too. Maybe, maybe we should not talk about them that way, right? Um, maybe, you're, maybe you do it because you've just decided to not hook up in your relationship, in your dating relationship. You say, I'm gonna, we're going to be better than that. We're going we're gonna to live pure. Um, maybe it's somebody that's hurting that you just need to say, hey, I, I, I want to bring you to church with me. I'm not saying invite them. I'm saying bring them. There's a difference. We'll talk about that later. That's another message for another day. But bring somebody to church with you to hear what you found, right? I think the most selfish we can, thing we can do as believers is to sit here in church and realize God's moving in our lives and we're growing and learning, but we don't share it with anybody. And we don't invite anybody to come find what we have found in Christ. That's like the most selfish thing we can do. The last thing I want to do is, is be at the judgment throne of God and watch as person after person after person after person that was in my life and I didn't share the gospel with because I was afraid to be bold is standing there and is spending an eternity in hell because I didn't bother to share the, the gospel with them. It's the most selfish thing we can do, I believe, to not be bold. You will be sensitive to his voice and he will move. So here's my challenge to you. Take out your phone. And I'm going to challenge, I'm going to ask you to do something with me. I've already set my alarms for this. I'm going to ask you at 8 o'clock a.m. and at 1 p.m. this week to set an alarm. Now, you don't have to do this, but I think if you do, you're going to be amazed at what God does. Because here's what I believe. I believe there's power in prayer. Amen? We believe it or we don't, okay? So we're going to, we're going to, we're going to just do a little test this week, and we'll talk about it next Sunday. I want you to set your alarm for 8 a.m. and 1 p.m. And here's how I pick those numbers. Joshua 1.8 says this. Don't for a minute let this book of the Revelation out of your mind. Ponder and meditate on it day and night, making sure you practice everything written in it. Then you will get where you're going. Then you'll succeed. Haven't I commanded you strength, courage. Don't be timid. Don't be discouraged. God, your God, is with you every step you take. So here's a promise in the book of Joshua that God will be with us in every step we take. Don't be timid. Don't be afraid. Be bold. All right? So at 8 o'clock and 1 p.m. every day this week, I'm going to ask you to pray with me, God, make me bold. God, make me bold today. In the love and in the compassion and in the empathy that Jesus approached others in his boldness, make me bold. I'm not asking you to go out and be a holy a-hole. Okay? Hear me. 
I'm serious because sometimes I think we think these bold people, and you probably know them, that are these bold believers that can't keep their mouth shut and they stick their foot in their mouth and they're jerks. And like, we all know some of those, right? That's not what I'm at. That's not what I'm saying. I want us, in the power of the Holy Spirit, to be people of love and care and empathy and compassion for those around us, to be sensitive enough to stand and say, God, make me bold. How can I be your tool? today. So we remind ourselves in the morning and then you can get through lunch and about 1 p.m. your alarm's going to go off. You're going to jump out of your shorts and you're going to go, oh yeah, God make me bold for the afternoon today. Do that with me, would you? I think it's going to be awesome to hear some stories next week about how God made us bold and how the Holy Spirit came and filled us. Because when we ask, guess what he does? He comes and fills us, right? It's an amazing power. It's, it's, it's so exciting to me that we don't have to live in this like mundane thing. We can be these like bold, crazy people who love people, who think we're nuts, but they want to be around us. That's awesome, right? Like who doesn't want to be around somebody who, who is caring and loving and compassionate and, and, and cares about other people? Everybody loves those kind of people. I love those kind of people. I want to be that kind of person. That's been my prayer for a while. I shared with our life group. Like I just, that's what I want to be. I want to be sensitive. Because sometimes I'm not. Kevin Thiemer looked at me this morning and said, man, I got to follow you around every time your mouth opens and tell people that's what, not what you meant. Like, he just, I need to be your personal, you don't even need a bodyguard, you just need a mouth. Like, and that's true sometimes, right? Or you just need to shut yours, right? Sometimes that's true. But in those moments, right, that I'm listening to the Holy Spirit and that he's, he's speaking to me and I hear his voice, have the faith to believe that God will move in this powerful prayer. Just like Peter and John, in the midst of very real persecution, God make us bold. The reason why the church thrives in persecution is because they keep on praying and we keep on preaching and we keep doing miracles and we keep people getting saved and, and the religious leaders aren't happy about it. And so they're going to stop. They're, they're going to do everything they can to stop these guys. And if you jump back down, to, we're going to jump to chapter 5 now. Verse 18 says this, they arrested the apostles and put them in public jail. So for the second time in a week, they've arrested these guys for the same thing. I mean, that's not a very good week. I mean, most of us would say, well, we failed, but guess what? They didn't because they were doing exactly what God had told them to do. Being thrown in jail for your faith is not failure. Being persecuted for your faith is not failure. It's success. I don't get worried when I'm persecuted. I get worried when I'm not. I don't get worried when I'm not facing or when I'm facing opposition or when, when things are coming my way. I get worried when they're not. The more we push and press into Jesus and into the Holy Spirit, the more the enemy attacks and the more we face persecution. It will happen. So they arrested him for the second time in a week. Verse 19 says, but an angel of the Lord came to them. And this is kind of funny to me. I don't know why, but it's kind of funny. He opened the gates of the jail and brought them out. And then he told them, okay, go back and preach again in the temple, the message of life. Now, now I think for a lot of us, we'd probably think, are you freaking kidding me? You, I just got thrown in jail for this. You want me to go back and do it again? I think in our humanity, that's what we would say, right? Why am I going to go do this again? But what's interesting is that there's no, there's no fanfare. Like, this was just normal. An angel of the Lord came and opened the gate, and they walked out. Okay, go preach. Like, there, was none, there wasn't like this, oh, right? I mean, like, the, you know, 
Gabriel wasn't standing on top of the fence and the angels didn't sing to the shepherds and there was no like, it was just, okay, here you go. Go back and preach. I mean, that's, that was like normal for them. That was normal for them. So three things that are a result of boldness. They're quick. Boldness almost always triggers spiritual opposition. Boldness almost always triggers spiritual opposition. In verse 518, these guys are thrown in jail for the second time in a week. They're serving Jesus, which in American Christianity, we think, well, then things should go peachy. I'm serving Jesus. I'm teaching a life group. I serve on the security team. I serve in kids. I run the soundboard. I play guitar. I do all these things for you, God. Why aren't things going peachy and and swimmingly for me? Because that's not the way it goes. Because that's not the way it goes. Because we live in a fallen world, right? It doesn't equal everything going well and perfectly. In fact, there's going to be opposition, but he says, don't worry about it. Worry when there's not. If you pray, make me bold, the Spirit will come on you, and you will find yourself standing up. And I promise you, it won't always go well for you if you do this. This is why it's a dangerous prayer to pray, God, make me bold. Because people will make fun of you. Did you hear what he said? What was he, why was he standing over there praying around the water cooler? That guy's a whack job. It doesn't matter what people think. It matters what the person God called you to talk to thinks. Right? You're not invited to parties, maybe. I know we just went down and drove to Texas last week. We managed to turn a nine and a half hour trip into almost 14 which takes a special set of skills, I think. Um, I think we stopped every 20 minutes. I don't know. We ate a lot of food. We peed a lot. There just was a lot going on. It was just one of those trips, right? So we went down to Texas, and some of you know Maggie, uh, my 24-year-old. We moved her back up. And, um, and uh, one of the things Maggie always talks to me about is, is at work that she's not often invited to parties. Now, if you know Maggie, Maggie's one of these bold Christians. She's just not afraid to say anything, right? She doesn't say it in hate. She just, she's bold. She just is. It's like natural for her. It really is a personality thing for her to be bold. Like, I'm, I, wish I, was, I wish I was that way. Um, but she talks about, you know, I don't, I don't get invited out on Friday nights to the parties because they know I don't drink and they know I'm not going to go out and get drunk. And what I said to her was this. I said, you know, you don't have to drink and go out and get drunk to go be a part of people's world. It's okay to go because it's in those spots where you begin to enter into people's lives, right? I mean, I'm not, I'm not saying go to a strip club. Don't, okay, don't, let's not push this. But go be with those people, right? You don't have to participate in the stuff you don't want to participate in, but you can still insert yourself into people's lives. And she began to do that and, uh, and began to develop some relationships because of it. And so There are times that that's going to happen. There are times that people are going to talk behind your back. There are times that you may be passed over for promotion because you're a bold believer in Jesus. There are probably times where people's kids may not hang out with yours, or more importantly, you don't let your kids hang out with theirs because of what you believe. Listen, if you're not ready to face opposition for your obedience to God, you're not ready to be used by God. Read that again. If you're not ready to face opposition for your obedience to God, then you're not ready to be used by God. Second thing is that boldness often releases God's miracles. 
When we live in bold faith, we begin to see the hand of God move miraculously in and around us. The angel of the Lord came at night, opened the gates of the jail, brought them out. There was no exclamation, no excitement, not some crazy explanation of an angel showing up. It just happened. Luke, said, Luke just says in, 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 in Acts that they were praying and they were preaching and the angel shows up. Do you remember earlier in chapter 3 when the, they were surprised to see the miracle? They were surprised to see God move. Wouldn't it be amazing if we weren't surprised that God moved, that we were surprised that he didn't, right? That, that God moves and we're not shocked by it because when we're walking in obedience to God, we're not surprised by the miracles of God. We're not surprised when he moves. He shows up. He's faithful. When we pray, make me bold, you will see the power of God like you've never seen it before, and maybe for the first time, and those prayers become bold. And and when we don't know what to say, a verse comes to mind in our prayer life or in a conversation. We don't know how to pray, and something just happens, and, and, and we begin to pray. Or maybe we just are quiet, but we sense and know that the Holy Spirit is there moving, and it begins to come from somewhere else because it is coming from somewhere else. Because it's supernatural. We're sharing our faith and, and we're in a conversation. We don't know what to say. And the, the Holy Spirit gives us words to say. Maybe you've, maybe you've been there before, but there's nothing more powerful than being completely voiceless and the Holy Spirit giving you the words to say in that moment and you speaking life to someone else. Being obedient often triggers the power of God. We don't need to be surprised by it because God says, I will move. I will move. Third thing, boldness always, 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 always requires faith. Always requires faith. We cannot be bold without faith. God, make me bold. Let me live by faith in a way that I haven't before, or maybe I haven't in a long time. Make me bold. In Acts 5.20, it says, now go to the temple and give the people this message of life. These guys had been arrested twice in a week had been threatened with their lives, had been threatened to be beaten, and they went back and did it again. What's the definition of insanity? Yeah, do the same thing over and over. It's like walking over here and just going, well, I still got a headache. Well, of course you got a headache. You kept banging your head on the wall, you moron. You're expecting a different result. You're doing the same thing. Go take some ibuprofen right? They go back and do the same. These guys were insane for Jesus. They were insane for, they were idiots. And they were insane for Jesus. And if that doesn't get you excited, guys, I don't know what does. Because that's awesome. That's freaking cool, right? God wants to use us just like he used John and Peter. He's the same God that he was yesterday, today, and forever. He doesn't change. We just have to get in line with him. We just have to ask to be bold. We just have to say, Holy Spirit, come and fill me and make me a tool for you. If every one of us went out and did this, this church would triple in a year. I promise if we live our lives like Peter and John lived their lives, a revival would break out that would make national news. In the midst of chaos... In our world, a move of God in Independence, Missouri is taking place. Have you seen the moves of God taking a place across college campuses all across? Are you paying attention to what's happening and to our, to our kids and colleges across the United States? There are revivals sweeping across secular colleges all over our country. Go look it up. Go Google it. You'll be amazed at what's happening among young people in our country right now. 
I'm jealous. I want some of that. I want the Holy Spirit to use me like that. I want to be a part of that. Here's what I know. I've watched many of you for a long time, some of you for over 15 years that I've known. And when I look at my own life, and man, I, I, I have failed in marvelous ways. I have failed in marvelous ways. In fact, many times I, I spend, I, I get in a mopey mood and beat myself up because of failures, many of them in parenting. But here's what I know. I get to get up in the morning and his mercies are new. And I get to press into Jesus and become more like him. When all is said, I want to be known as one who is obedient and bold. God continues, I think, to call us out. And, and, and I think sometimes if I were God, I would have given up on me. Does anybody else feel that way sometimes? Like, man, if I were God, I'd have just said, dude, seriously. Like, you're insane in all the wrong ways. Stop doing the wrong stuff. I don't know if you ever feel like that. But he continues to call and use me. But only, listen, only, 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 only when I'm obedient. Only when I'm obedient. Only when I come in line with his plan and his purposes. You never know what God might set into action through a single act of bold obedience. You have no idea. When we pray, God, make me bold. When we stand up for the name of Jesus. When we stand in, when everybody else steps out, right? When, when we show an expression of love that someone may have never seen before to someone who's downcast, to someone who, who is lost. Peter and John were bold. They served faithfully, and this was their reward, right? Here, here it was. Scripture tells us that Peter married his high school sweetheart, that um, they had an amazing wedding, that um, they went to the honeymoon, had, a, had an amazing honeymoon. You, you can find it's in Luke. They had an amazing honeymoon together that they, uh, they came back and, and Peter and John started a business together consulting with churches and uh, spent the next 30, 40 years in business together, sold off their business, retired to the mountains, raised their grandkids, just had an amazing life. That's, what, that's exactly what Scripture tells us, isn't it? No, it's not. It's not what Scripture tells us. Let me tell you what happened to these guys. Peter and John... Historians tell us that Jesus, or John, was arrested, that he was dipped in boiling water or boiling oil, because most of the time it killed people, but it didn't kill him. And so he was supposed to be killed, instead was dipped in boiling oil and sent to the island of Patmos, where he finished out his days alone as an exile. Peter was martyred in Rome and was actually crucified and when they went to crucify him, Peter said, I'm not worthy to be crucified as Jesus was. Crucify me upside down. And so they crucified Peter upside down. They died martyrs, homeless, penniless, familyless. That was their reward for bold obedience. It's a dangerous, dangerous prayer. How amazed are people at our boldness? If we know Jesus and we've been forgiven, then we should want to be bold. We should want others to know about that grace and freedom that we've received. Let's pray. Jesus, God, this is both exciting and challenging. On so many levels for us, God, as we, as we look at these 
really amazing lives that Peter and John led. These really phenomenal, insane idiots for you, Jesus. God, that's not past any of us that sit here this morning. There's not one of us who sit here this morning who aren't worthy to be called those things. And so, Lord, as we think about...